You're listening to Coffee Notes podcast with Dr. Jill and Emily P. Hey Em, happy Monday. Yay, happy Monday. I hear you've got a visitor. I do. So it's great. My mum is visiting from New Zealand at the moment. And just, you know, prior to us recording, we were just sort of reflecting on the fact that isn't it great that this whole big C word is starting to um, become the new normal now and we've got international travel back yeah, somewhat. Yeah, exciting. And I guess reconnecting. That, absolutely. Um, but I guess it, um, you know, with our next, with our guests that we have on today, um, Andrew, who is a bit of a name in the entertainment industry, events, industry um and I guess how that's actually how the big C has affected that will be an interesting topic that I'm sure he'll be able to talk to us on yeah and we've talked about the arts industry and what's been going on in a little bit about that in a previous episode where we were talking with Georgie and that was a wonderful episode and I just think we know with our current guest we can continue that important conversation about the arts industry and, and its importance and getting it back up and running as well and supporting our artists. So I can't wait to introduce Andrew. A little bit about Andrew. Um, Andrew's role, I'm looking forward to hearing about this, but it's in making great initiatives happen defies conventional job title descriptions. So he's part consultant, part creative strategist, part coach, part planner and producer. And he's been the secret ingredient in some of Australia's most successful events and communication campaigns. Uh, When the best way to engage people with a brand or create a social legacy is via events or experiences, Andrew has the knowledge, foresight, connections and ideas to maximise the potential and achieve the goals. He can bring in his insight to any or every stage of the process from feasibility to production always reality testing against strategic objectives. He specialises in designing or troubleshooting event models and developing proposals that are financially sustainable and exceed business expectations. So I cannot wait to hear more in depth about what he does. So hello, Andrew. Thank you for joining us. Well, good day and thanks for having me on your podcast today. I'm I'm thrilled to be here. That's quite introduction. I guess that sounds like me. Um, I'm not sure that I wrote it, but yeah, I'll admit to it. I really want to know uh, about your role. It's um, you're a man of many talents, many hats. So can you run me through what your job entails? Uh, okay, I guess in the most simplistic form, um, and somewhat regardless of scale, people generally come to me, clients that is, uh, when they have determined that they are seeking a business outcome and that could be based on corporate, uh, community uh, and the commercial elements in between. They, they know what they, they, well, they don't always know, but they believe they know what they want the outcome to be. They also 
have an understanding that the delivery mechanism will be some kind of event model, but that's the bit they're gray about. And so they come to me to determine what will be that middle bit that gets them to the endpoint. Uh, and I generally, I mean, not always, but a lot, I, I get the stuff which um, is kind of hard and weird and no one knows how to do it. And so they come to me to sort the weird stuff. Sort the weird stuff. I love that. So how do you get into the job of sorting the weird stuff? Like, where does that begin? How did you get into the industry and then obviously flourish and grow? Um, well, um, not wanting to go back too far or declare too much, um, <laughs> but for anyone that knows me, um, they would agree that it's obvious. I mean, I started in this game, I started in this game as a window dresser. Um, I'd kind of been asked to leave school and so I did. And um, I was just having fun, uh, knocking around. And my mother found an ad in the newspaper when that's how you did it um, for a trainee window dresser at David Jones. And um, you don't argue with my mother. And she made the uh, interview appointment and presented this little clipping to me. And I said, <laughs> no, that's not happening. And so I went for the interview to just basically shush my mum. And there was a moment that I'll always remember in my career. It's definitely one of the highlights where something clicked. And uh, I was asked to actually um, create a display in the jewellery section of David Jones Garden City at the time. I did it and I got the job on the spot. And then I was poached by Just Jeans. I ended up in fashion in Melbourne. I was the youngest uh, member of the Just Jeans buying team in the 80s in Melbourne. That was a time. Um, and that led to uh, parade work, catwalk, all that kind of stuff. And that kind of like started the whole production thing. But um, the, the moment that kicked things off for me, I guess, was I was looking for something different, something new. And I volunteered to work at the Brisbane International Film Festival. And they're like, oh, we don't really have any jobs, you know, whatever. I said, yep, fine. Do you have an opening night film? No, but we're seeing a film tomorrow morning at 5.30 a.m. And if you can make the screening, then this could be our film. So I turned up, we watched the movie, and it was at the Old Hoyts Regent uh, in Queen Street Mall. And there might have been maybe six people, you know, artistic director, blah. And we watched the film, we were all like sitting there like, what? And the artistic director leaned down and looked at me and she said, if you're up for it, this is definitely the opening night film. And so I produced that and it was Muriel's Wedding. And it was the global launch. I still have the poster signed by Tony Collette in my hallway. Um, and um, that was the beginning. My next, my next production was Priscilla. And so it kind of went on uh, from there. And I ended up moving to Sydney. And um, I mean, to answer your question more succinctly, as far as like, how does your career grow? Mine was pretty organic, I guess. Uh, I ended up, well, not without some purpose to be frank uh but i ended up um uh i guess a lot of the way i got to where i am now is when we used to do big road shows like i used to do the dolly and girlfriend search for supermodel road shows across the country um wow you know, back in the days when it was like trucks on the road and uh um 
Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, and, and then I did a lot of work in major conferencing for pharmaceuticals and tobacco, which I hated. And um, crook, absolute crooks, just by the way. I don't care who hears it. And, um, um, and so I decided to go back to my first love, which was tourism. So I don't just do tourism work, but I specialize in it. And it was uh, a choice I made in say 2005. I wanted to um, primarily work in major events, which actually gave something back to community, which actually fed the economy, which provided for um, uh, people of all walks and spaces in life. And so, I mean, I've just, I'm just home on the weekend from uh, delivering the Qantas Australian Tourism Awards on the Sunshine Coast on Friday night. The first time that the entire country, every state and territory has come together since COVID. So that was pretty cool. Wow. Like, I'm not sure that answers your question. It, it's been... It, it does. It, it's grown and you... What I've got me was that you saw where you wanted to get into, so you did some volunteer work. You put your hand up and said, all right, and that gave you some more experience. So that's probably a really good... Tip, if you don't have the experience, volunteer where you want to go and get into. Um, and the tourism industry, I would love to hear more about that because they've taken a big hit since that C word. Yeah, well, I, me I mentioned it deliberately, not just because it's accurate, but um, it, it feeds into some of the other things that I know we intend to talk about around recovery and resilience and, you know, where the event market is at, particularly in the context of international travel and borders and all that kind of jazz. Um, uh, it's no, no secret and that when COVID was really sinking and biting hard, the entertainment, uh, major events, culture industry was just being absolutely flogged. And this by and large was being ignored by the um, federal government. Yeah. Whilst uh, white collar was being provided for and many other elements of industry uh, in spades. So as we now start to recover, it's not across the board. There's still, you know, a long way to go for us. There's been a lot of talk about, oh, we're back. We're coming back, but we ain't back. Um, that's for sure. And uh, it's particularly true for major venues uh, as well as artists. But we are, we are coming back, um, absolutely. Tourism has been hit really hard. And I think, you know, beyond travel, um, whether it be, you know, inter, intrastate, international, one of the major issues is, of course, just simply getting staff to, um, to be able to stage events, uh, no matter where they sit in the mix, for everything from production to hospitality, uh, and, and all the way through, it's particularly difficult. So that's one of the major exciting elements of international borders opening that we get back because so much of that tourism and events uh, element was based on itinerant travellers, you know, uh, people that would come into Australia and on either limited visas or backpacking or whatever. That was a massive, massive resource for our industry. And when they went away, so much went away. So you travelled a lot as well with your role. Is that say? I've travelled a lot in Australia. Uh, mm -hmm. I've travelled a bit internationally, but a lot in Australia, yeah. Uh, and I hear where you're coming from. A lot of venues have closed down, uh, getting staff. I'm hearing that in multiple industries, trying to obtain and retain 
staff is another um, issue and, and yeah, getting those um, people back from, you said that, you know, a lot came from overseas into Australia. Uh, so the international borders opening has opened that up again, but I can understand what, you, what you're saying with, yes, we're coming back, but we're not back yet. So with your role in it, and how did it affect you in your role? Did it put you at a halt in a, in a way? Oh, yeah. I mean, um, 2018 and 2019 in my game were bumper years. Um, like we hadn't known for some time. And um, um, we call it Black Friday in, in my game. That's March the 13th. Uh, 2020. Um, so, uh, so the day prior to that, I was flying to Sydney and then Melbourne on the Monday to facilitate um, and manage a number of sessions in what is called um, uh, TBO, TBOE, the Business of Events, which is a, a global kind of conference that happens in the Southern Hemisphere. I had four and a half years of work booked. Now, I haven't had that for some time. And on Friday the 13th, I was at meetings in town and I was coming back to my desk. I had one stop on the way. It took about 90 minutes. In that 90 minutes, I lost all of that work. All of it. That's a hard hit. That just was before 5, before 5 p.m. Gone, gone, gone. Yeah, just poof, gone. Absolutely. So when we talk about um, staff and travelers, a lot of things that a lot one of the things that happen in venues and in basically the service provision in tourism and major events with venues is we didn't just lose access to all of those um, that 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 labor which was so important when it came to businesses and venues needing to let staff go, uh, downsize or liquidate those people left the industry as part of finding other work to survive. And, they, and very few of them have come back. So the facilitation of how we recover is much more than just, you know, finding casual stuff. Um, it's about also, you know, re-resourcing the, the bread and butter people in the game. So what the worst thing about your job before COVID is completely different to what the worst thing is about your role when COVID hit. Because when COVID hit, it the worst thing was that all your work was gone in an instant. And trying to come back from that and having staff come back, like you said, some aren't even returning to the industry because they've had to find work elsewhere and they've stayed there. And sometimes the loss is too great, especially for venues that have shut down. So Bearing that in mind, just generally speaking, what's, you know, the, the cons of working in your role prior, prior to COVID? Hmm. Is, it, is there any? Because it sounds like there's lots of flexibility. There's lots of good things. Well, the, con, I mean, <laughs> the cons of working in my role pre-COVID, um, I mean, I could probably... I'd rather not answer that on behalf of industry. I'll just speak for myself. I mean, it's, 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 a, it's a good question. The answer is kind of broad. Um, um, I guess where I sit as, you know, a major producer or a consultant working with, it's, it's, um, it's determining what do you really want. Um, you know, you've, you've, you've given me some idea about 
this piece that you want me to fill in to deliver this other element. Um, so I generally am in, I'm in, I'm in briefing meetings and I say things like, okay, so we're all air kissing and there's champagne going around and, and love being made all over the place. What just happened? If you can describe that to me, even if it's loose or whatever, then I can reverse engineer that to a planning model and a methodology about how we'll deliver this. And so I guess a con, um, I call it the greatest challenge, is making sure that um, beyond what the client says or what the intention is, that there's an understanding about, about what they anticipate it will look like uh, what it will mean as far as business outcomes are concerned so that we can actually right from the get-go model something that works do all the continual check-in and, and and review um and keep it on the brief uh sounds what, like you have to be a solution finder and a really good communicator to do what you do and 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 some say a bit patient i guess one of the things that people Definitely patient one of the things that people say about me which is which i always find interesting is um how are you so unannoyed right now? Like, why aren't you like stressed and fretting like the rest of the room? And um, for me, I guess I've always had, um, you know, as, as the tension and then, you know, the whole um, show day and everything kind of like ramps up, I just slow down. Um, because it's my job to make sure I deliver all elements. So if I lose my then um, what does everyone, everyone else just falls into the same hole? Um, and I've seen that a lot in, in events. It doesn't take much. I think it, particularly with production personnel, um, people in my game, um, and again, a generalization, which I would say is more about pockets, um, are really kind of like harsh and offhand or indifferent um, towards production personnel. And I'm always like, damn, these folk, they can turn the thing on and they can turn the thing off. So if you'd like to walk, if you'd like them to walk into the fire behind you, maybe just be pleasant. Um, you know, so those things are really key, as well as um, you know, checking in with stakeholders. Like it's, it's a, it's a, I don't want to like labor my answer too much, but uh, it's really important to stay on the brief. So um going back to when you were saying you know people say how do you stay unannoyed how how do you get this patience that just stays with you no matter how frustrating a situation can be how do you how do you keep your cool how do you breathe through it how do you you know even under time rest restraints and sounds like sometimes high pressure how do you how do you keep the calm in your life um wow okay i don't know that i've ever been asked the actual how question um i guess i've just always learned that if i don't if i don't adopt that policy i mean i've even 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 with the gig I, i've just delivered um the Qantas australian tourism awards it was um you know i was walking around a bit on that day well people are kind of like mental with like folders for days and things and whatever and i'm carrying nothing so it's my job to um be sufficiently prepared to know exactly what each one of those roles are to observe if they're coping if they're breaking to be able to quickly jump into that space and say 
how are you? What can I do for you? Um, how do I do that? Uh, um, I might need some hypnosis. I don't know. I've developed it for uh, um, over a number of years and it's just something that's always worked for me. I mean, I've been producing the, Quarans, the, the Queensland Tourism Awards. This is my 18th consecutive year. Um, I did the Australian Awards for 12 consecutive years up to um, uh, 2017, the model changed. I've just done it again because it's come back to the state. Why am I saying that? These events are intensely political. Um, a lot of partners, a lot of interest in, you know, brand identification and, and outcomes. Um, a lot of players, a lot of approval. If you can't, you need to really adopt a, a, a view about, maybe it's more about what matters right now. These are things that matter right now. These are things I can deal with progressively. If I've got something that I, I need to flag as being, you know, at risk, then I've got people at my side who, who are waiting for me to go red light. Um, and so then we tic-tac on that. But so the, the, the calmness is not just about me. It's about a sense of order and, um, and process, I guess. Yeah, I like how you responded with, you know, the how. You've never actually thought about that. It's your trial and error of working in the industry over the number of years. It's your experience and, you know, what works for you. And, and what you were saying is, yes, you've got to look after yourself, but it's also being that well-being officer, that unofficial well-being officer, making sure that everybody else is okay in their role. No, absolutely. And, I, and I, it's particularly important, I find, I mean, once you're in the show, it's just running. It's like a freight train. But, um, but you still have to do the show. So that whole bit, you know, you got like two, three hours, four hours of show, but that whole bit, you know, all day from 5am to 7pm when you, when you call go, let alone the two days prior, if everyone's good when you get to seven o'clock, Nothing. I mean, it's it's the things that can go wrong are not part of the team. They're kind of environmental. So um, it's my job to make sure that I keep everybody confident, buoyant, um, present, that they know it's okay. I've got a big thing uh, where I say to people, I don't care if you ask me something seven times. I care if you don't ask me. So um, it's really important to make sure that and a lot of people find that really awkward that, that communication is um, a vital ingredient to how we deliver this as a team. Um, everyone gets so like siloed in their roles and you've got to identify people that are you know also looking for a leg up, they want to show pony, whatever, that all needs to be managed. Um, but as long as you can do that, pull yourself up and, and maintain that sense of calm, then you can do all of it. And it sounds like you're very good at doing that, keeping yourself upbeat, but also keeping those around you. And remember we were talking oh, a couple of months ago, we were talking about communication skills and that, you know, it's not that easy, especially when you're dealing with different things. I'm wondering if we need to ask Andrew sometime for some communication tips. We'll grab those from him if you're willing to sure. later on and um, we'll... <laughs> 
<laughs> we'll get some tips about communication and communication styles from you because it is something that I think um, people uh, can struggle with, especially when there's different relationships as well. You've got those professional working relationships, but you also care about them as a, as a person and, and what they do in their role to make the team happen. You know, there's also that teamwork happening and the communication within groups. So we will, at a later date, contact you and get some tips from you, I think. If I'd you're willing to share some happy, of those. I'd be happy to offer you whatever I can. Yeah. Lovely. Um, thinking about your time, because you've you've been in this industry for a while, have you a funny story to share or something, you know, that will make us laugh or something that, you know, crazy happened or someone famous that you met and you thought, you know, what a cool person? Um, okay. Um, There's always head down into the work and making sure all your, you know, the people around you are okay. <laughs> no time um, for that. Yeah, I mean, there's been some, there's certainly been some, um, some real trips, some real roller coasters. I don't know um, if you remember best job in the world. No. Wow, that didn't go anywhere. Um, <laughs> best job in the world happened in 2009. And, um, it was at the bottom of the GFC. Um, uh, Tourism Queensland had this idea about going out all over the world and doing this big advertisement for, um, you know, someone to become the caretaker of the islands of the Great Barrier Reef. Oh, and they, they had to blog? Sorry? And they had to blog or something about it as well? Loads or, of that, yeah. Yeah. So, um, teaching- nine seems a long time ago. It was, mm. yeah. Do you mind? I mean, it came, it, um, it, uh, so when, when it was, if they came to me and they said, we're going to call it Project Seek, seek.com, and we're going to um, go out all over the world and we're going to get people from every, every what they call source market. So a source market is a target market of interest anywhere in the world for international travel. Yeah. So um, it was important that we got people from all those markets. Um, it ended up at the end of when it was all done, going to the Cannes Lions and beating Coca-Cola, Pepsi, McDonald's um, for all the awards. We, um, the whole thing was so, was so crazy. Uh, we had, we went from pitching it to people like, uh, respectfully, my good friends at Qantas, who were like, <laughs> you're never gonna get this up. Um, we, we couldn't get partners. Um, from December 2008 to February 2009, when it was launched late January, my production budget went up by like 12 times. Um, the interest was like crazy. But every time that happened, and we're delivering this thing on an island, the production footprint just kept on going. And we had media from all over the world. We had, I mean, we had multiple satellites, multiple satellite bridges. The whole thing grew every day. Mm. At the on the announcement day, we had um, oh, I think ninety three networks from all over the world taking the feed live. We had um, we had three goals. This was part of my conversation at the beginning with the client. What's the success measure? We want CNN to take it, like like take it all over the world into hotel rooms. Um, 
we want interest from Oprah, Oprah, and we want interest from um, uh, another late night talk show, which escapes me right now. Um, so we got Oprah. I worked with Harpo. My hand was wow. on the Oprah show, Parsons in the shot. I mean, uh, worked with Harpo. <laughs> we did lives from Hamilton Island directly into Chicago. Um, CNN took it live. This was a show that was crazy. It was 24 seven. The whole time we were on Hamilton Island, um, uh, we, were, we were breakfast TV in Canada. Why am I telling you all that? Part of my planning originally was I had to primarily deal with the propensity for that part of the Sundays to get um, really fast tropical lows come through and smash the place with rain. And we had to put out what's called VNRs, video news releases twice a day and at night. And that was to multiple countries. So we had to make sure the footage was sunny and nice and dry. So I developed um, four schedules. A was great weather, we're all good. B was we've got a bit of weather, but we don't have to change the schedule. We just have to manage some of the timing around things. C is we've got real weather, new schedule. D is evacuate. So we were on C the whole time. Um, I spent months working at this pocket in May across 10 years was the best time to actually do this event. And um, it, fl it flogged down every day. Um, so that scheduling and planning was key to it because there wasn't a drop, a drop of rain on any one of those um, those VNRs. So is that one? Yeah, that's great. The, the story is really interesting. The, the question you asked me, I could tell you lots of those stories, but I don't know that it's right for your podcast. Um, <laughs> that's for our other uh, rated podcast. Things that I see backstage. <laughs> I know, yeah, I'm sure you do see some things backstage. Uh, and I must admit, Hamilton Island is one of my favourite places in the world. So, uh, yeah, I do remember now that you've tri tripped my memory about, you know, that event and, you know, all that happened there. I had no idea the the coverage, though, that oh, was, you had for that. It was, that was, it was huge. It was, it was insane. It, it got so much coverage when we went to the Cairns Lions. I remember... Um, the G20 was on and they called me at 2am needing a, needing a satellite truck, which I had to organise in Marseille and get it driven across the Khan so that the Premier was already in the air and she was going to land and do a live back into um, today's show. It was like, it was, the whole thing was like, it went on, not just what happened, it went on for like about a year, 18 months with um, massive events. Um, and that saved a lot of tourism in Queensland at the bottom of the G20. Mm. Uh, it drove travel, it drove interest. Um, it was massively powerful, not just for the Whitsunday, but for Queensland and for the Barrier Reef. It was, um, yeah, it was, it, was a, it was a game changer. Wow. I can think of so many wonderful things about your role and what you do because it is so diverse. And it not only, you know, it gives you income but it helps out the community mm. you bring people together you you look after people and um you, you know you advocate for the arts and tourism industries as as, as well which is just so important uh, so i can think of so many wonderful things about your role what to you is the best thing about doing your job 
Um, the best thing about my job I, um, is that um, it's different every day. You know, I, 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 literally, I literally don't ever have a day where I'm doing the same thing. Um, that I get the chance often to do some, some stuff. I, I, I do have to like meet clients' expectations, of course, and sometimes I have to deliver things that I don't always think are the best. Um, but often I think it's the creativity around it and, um, and uh, maintaining a fundamental ethos around the reason why I'm here and the reason why I'm doing this and what it means is all about audience experience. So if I can maintain, and I, and I, and I, I feel I do, a singular focus on what is the audience experience that you know, I might like something and personally, but I need to also be able to go, well, but is that, is that what works as far as an audience experience is concerned? And so that, that challenging around, you know, base creativity and the way it's delivered. I mean, I love all that stuff. That's wonderful. And if other, if people listening or um, have any further questions about what you do and uh, this creative outlet that you've, you've been talking about, uh, where can they find you if they have a question or if they just want to follow what you do? Because it is really interesting. Uh, LinkedIn. Um, my Facebook business page, that's about it. I, um, I don't have a website. I've, I've never found a website that's done much for me. I have had in the past, but um, for me, those are the two things that I generally more or less maintain. What's your um, business Facebook page called? Wonderman. Okay. We will pop that in the, because we use Instagram, so we will pop that in so people can find you. Um, we'll take your name as well so that they can sure. know who we're talking about. <laughs> uh, Andrew Cameron-Smith, thank you so much for joining us today. And did you have any final questions? I know we've covered a lot and I've thoroughly enjoyed this. I've really enjoyed it as well. And, you know, I'm, you know, I'm really quite blown away with really actually hearing about what you do and how much you actually do for uh, Queensland and Australia is um, yes. it's just remarkable and and you know the industry because you know we we as a country and a state we thrive on tourism and it's so important to be able to have that brought back and thank you for your part in that everything you do so no you're welcome and um, I'm again I'm grateful that you invited me in and I I hope it's I hope it's of value absolutely, oh, absolutely. Thank you could, so much for sharing. I could listen for hours. <laughs> oh, I want, to, I want to hear about the other stories too. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I've had fun and I have really enjoyed listening to your diverse role and what you have been up to lately. And I'm so glad that, um, you know, things are turning around finally uh, for the industries as well. So thank you for everything that you do. And thank you so very much for joining us today, Andrew. Thank you both, and um, and I, I'm I, I'm open to having uh, another chat another time. But um, enjoy your day. You too. Yes. Thank you. Thanks, Em, for um, you know, always being there for me. <laughs> it's okay. I really enjoyed today. Uh, and 
and introduced me to our podcast um, guest today and I really thoroughly enjoyed listening to that that was fantastic so have a wonderful week Em and I wish you a safe and happy Monday and thank you for listening to Coffee Notes podcast we'll catch you next week